yeah. Um, how are you? Um, I'm good. I feel. I really don't know how I feel to be honest. Um, uh. I think I'm torn between. Obviously, I feel uh, some some. I feel a lot of sympathy towards the the family um, of the the families that have been affected by all of this. Not only just that family, but all the families across America, yeah. in particular the African American uh, families that have been affected by violence from the police. And it's really sad to be honest. But I think uh, a phrase that sums up how I feel is a phrase that Mal- Malcolm X used when he mm-hmm. said that the chickens have come home to roost. So I think I feel that what's happening at the moment is just the consequences of the American system and how it's just failed yeah. African-Americans over over the decades and over the centuries, really. Yeah, and it's true because there's only so much that, I mean, we as a people can take, you know. Mm. It's, it's only so much and it will get to a certain point where it's like, you know what, we've, we've had enough. And I think personally, I... I feel that way. I'm just really, really tired. Hi, everyone. So um, today I've got Tinashe, one of my very good friends, on the pod with me. Um, we are dissecting the recent case of George Floyd. Um hey Tinashe. Hey Rumbi, how are you? Um yeah it's a it's, it's an yeah, it's something else, isn't it, that's happening know, in America right? at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so I think yeah. it's, it's, it's tragic to see this this loss of lives, reckless loss of life. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I know the feeling. When I read about George Floyd, when I saw actually when I saw the video I was lying in bed, I'd woken up, and when I saw the video, the first thing that came to my head was, well, we are never going to America, like no chance in hell. The only reason why I felt that, you know, I'm not going to America was not because of the injustice, but it was more of the fear that if I went with my family and God forbid, you know, let's say, for example, we hired a car and my husband wanted to drive in America and he, for, for whatever reason, he swerved the wrong way, you know, and he got stopped. That would be us done. That's how I felt in my head. Like, that's it. Wait, that's you it. Know, you feel that fear. It's not even anger. It's fear. Now, think. look at it this way, right? Now, you have a choice about mm-hmm. going to America now, and you're talking about the fear that you have. Now, imagine... Mm-hmm all the black men and all the black women that live in America, they don't have a exactly. choice about, exactly. oh, I can go to a different country. So they have fear coupled with their anger. And this is something yeah. that they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I think what's really disturbing about some of these videos, whether you're looking at George's video, yeah. um, is that this is stuff which has been going on. Now, imagine before we had mobile phones with cameras. This is stuff which is just constantly going on. And that's what scares me the most, that Mm -hmm. this is not a new phenomenon. This is something which has existed before, (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah. And I liked it because Will Smith did say that, that it's the only difference is people are now recording it. And because people are recording it, 
it's now in the public eye. Everyone is seeing how atrocious the system is. It's, it's, it's not working. But I like the point you just made about the people who live there because one of my childhood friends actually lives in America and she's got two children, two younger children, mm. one boy, one girl. And she just posted, just literally, it was just a small paragraph. And she just said, my son went to play basketball and was late coming home by 10 minutes. It was the worst 10 minutes of her mm. life. Mm. Like, just the, it's like, you can't live like that. You don't want people to have to live and think, you know, they're late by five minutes. What's happened to them? They're probably, you know, they've probably been arrested or yeah, killed yeah. or no one has to live like that in this day and age like no ever it's quite disturbing just for a bit of background for you know i don't know who hasn't heard about the george floyd um story but just to give them a bit of a background so um basically george floyd is a, a man who lives in minnesota or minneapolis mm. and basically he had gone out seems from the video had gone out with some friends and they'd been stopped but um it's said allegedly that george was using recreational drugs and everything and for some reason they were stopped by the police so in this particular video that's been taken we only start seeing it when he's already been sort of like apprehended and this police officer has his knee on his neck and this apparently goes on for about a good eight minutes, eight minutes and 53 odd seconds that this police officer has taken this stance to put his knee on this man's neck. However, in doing so, there's another three officers who are behind the vehicle who are not actually in the view of the camera. And they are also holding him down. So this George Floyd is quite a big man, but you know, He's got four officers basically pinning him down and he's crying and screaming and asking them to just like let him breathe. And he's saying he can't breathe, his stomach hurts and you can tell he's struggling. And the onlookers are all pleading with this police officer with his knee on his neck to let him go at least to just at least, you know, he's not resisting arrest. At this point, he is subdued, but still this officer Mm. remains with his knee on his neck until the point that he becomes unresponsive. And I think this is the part that even, it's so graphic and I'm seeing it now and he's lying there almost lifeless Mm. and the officer still has his knee on his neck. And people are asking him, look, he is non-responsive. Can you remove your knee? Check his pulse. And they still and he still doesn't move it until the EMTs arrive, the paramedics arrive. And at that point, they, when they move his body, he's virtually lifeless. And it's it's so horrific to watch. I've never watched even a movie. I've never seen a movie that horrific. Like, it was horrible to watch. And just thinking about it, it makes me feel a bit... You, you feel helpless because... Um, so that's what happened to George Floyd. All across the media we've been seeing laws of public outcry. Personally, I think it's something that we need for people to stand together. Mm. People, And I like it. Like some of my friends, some, some of the people I work with have been voicing their concerns. And these are not black people. These are white people as well. They're standing in solidarity with, you know, their fellow black people. And that's how it should be. This is not just like the issue of racism. I don't think racism 
should be classed as, well, you're white, you don't feel racism. I think it should be something that we should all be standing against. Mm. Which, which I think is a good point, to be honest with you. Um, I think a lot of people have, I've seen a lot of people posting stuff about, well, it's it's all the cops. All the cops are responsible for this. You know, should all the mm-hmm. cops be attacked? Are all white people um, responsible for this? But when you look at the protests and the riots, you see all types of people coming out because yeah. I think, you know, this police brutality affects not just only the black community, obviously in disproportionate figures, it affects the black yeah. community, but I think it affects the whole American community. But I think it's quite disproportionate in particular for the black community when you consider the history, because it's very rare that you see videos like this, um, something like this happening to white men. I mean, this is something that I remember when I was young, you know, my mom talking to me about Rodney King, trying to make me understand what was happening in America. And it didn't make Mm -hmm. sense to me at the time. But this Mm -hmm. was back in the early 90s. You know, um, but mm-hmm. to count how many I've 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 not seen that happen to any white men, to be honest with you. I agree because it's so disproportionate. Someone yeah. who is armed and clearly dangerous and actually killing people is yeah. coming out unscathed, not even a single mark on him, but an unarmed, harmless black man then has to die just because they say he's resisting arrest. I don't think that's proportionate. And and for and I think what they're saying in terms of all the police need to be held accountable, I think that's true. And it doesn't matter whether the officer is black, Hispanic, or Asian or what, because in that video, like there were there was a an Asian police officer. He's the one who's actually standing in front of what's his name, um, Derek Chauvin. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he was telling everybody else move back, move back. Yeah, exactly. Either way, he has to also be held accountable. So, Mm. regardless of what race those police officers are they're all acting in unison at that point and whatever that one police officer is doing they're all in agreement because at least one of them could have just said look mate let him breathe take off your knee we've got him you know but none of them said that that's the thing though you have to take into account personal responsibility i think that's something which i've read is quite different between Mm. um, the police system here in the UK and the police system in America. One of the Mm. things when I've been reading about this is that with the police system here, because of the anonymity that's granted to them through whistleblowing and things of that Uh nature, Uh the police here are more inclined to report fellow officers for misconduct and things like that without fear that it will come back to them. Whereas I think in America, you actually have to take a stand if you see another police officer doing something. So there obviously needs to be some systematic changes in the American system. But Mm -hmm. then going back to personal accountability, I've also seen videos um, where uh, where someone has had their uh, police officer has had their knee on someone. I've seen other police officer, you know, tap him on the knee to say, no, move your knee down the further down the back Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so forth. Mm -hmm. So. They can be accountable. They they are there is a level of personal responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. So really he has to be held accountable to it as well. When you think about it, we had the um Aubrey incident a few weeks ago. Yes. Yes. We had the Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper incident oh, as well. Don't get me started. Oh We've had God. the <laughs> Breonna Taylor incident as well. Mm. So it's just a culmination of incidents in a short period of time mm. when people are already feeling neglected economically um the health system is neglecting them they're dying disproportionately from covid 
it's just so much on the community itself and i think it was just a it was just it was an eruption waiting to happen to be honest it it was just something which is just in the making over the last few weeks and i yeah. think it could have been anything that could have triggered um these kind of riots that we've seen yeah yeah that's so true because when you think about the series of events i think we were getting to the point where i mean like the, there's just a compilation of just just people and I'm, I'm going to say white people because it is a compilation of white people who allegedly feel threatened by a black person's presence and they feel the need to call the cops on them to, you know, get that reaction that they have been seeing. So it's almost like they're using calling police officers as their new weapon because that's what happened with Amy Cooper because she almost felt like she will, if she can just cry over the phone and, and be as, as hysterical as possible... Whoever comes, the first thing they're going to do is shoot and ask questions after. <laughs> Later, yeah. But she she looked a fool for doing that. An absolute yeah. fool. First of all, you need to fix your own heart. Whether you're black, Hispanic, Asian, or white, you need to fix your own heart first. Because if you have anger towards a particular race, you're just going to feed that, feed that to your whole family. And that's how you grow. So if you need, you need to fix it in your heart and you need to address that in your own home. And when you do that, whoever's coming out of your home will be able then to at least change the world. Because we, I know it sounds so superficial and probably a bit naive, but honestly, I think it all begins in the home. There's so many children out there who start shouting the N-word, for example. Where did they learn that if they didn't learn it from their own house? At home. So, <laughs> exactly. So... If we don't fix it in our home or even, you know, I, I like the fact that, and it's, I know they shouldn't have to do that, but if you now have to start saying to your child, if the police stop you, raise your hands, don't, you know, I don't want to have to live in a society where we're trying to teach our children to be submissive. We all need to have the same rights. And yeah. Neither do we want to teach them to start fighting and, you know, have a gun in the house and shoot a, shoot a police officer if you see them before they shoot you first. We don't want that situation. So it has to start in the home. I think that's where it has to start, even regarding that privilege. If you are in a white household and you know what comes with it, you need to teach your children that, look, you need to use this to the benefit of others, to the good of everyone, not just yourself. I think mm. that's that's what we need everyone needs to be doing. I don't know. Do you how do you think that could be tackled? Well, I I think it could be tackled in that way, but I think it's asking too much to for someone to change their heart if they genuinely believe that either A they're a superior race or either B is their god-given rights. Uh -huh. If they have those fundamental beliefs within them, you know, there's no way reaching that someone, someone's heart in that way. I think one way to tackle it is, you know, for family members, you know, if someone has a family member that they know is a racist, they need to try and educate them and find a way to get through to them. But to be honest, it's, <laughs> it's a really, it's, it's hard. I always, I always believe yeah. that it's about um, changing perceptions and, you know, economic empowerment. Like, you know, we need to have more black people in places of power, more black people with economic power. But we've, I mean, America has had a black president. Um, mm -hmm. What's his name? Uh, Christian Cooper. He's an accomplished, I think he's a writer for DC comics or something. He's an accomplished yeah. writer. 
So your you know your economic presence and your your social presence that hasn't changed anything. You know, all these years we thought America had changed. It's come a long way, but obviously it still hasn't. You know, yeah, and this yeah. is now what fifty years down. You know, nothing is still the same. So whatever yeah. has been education has been going on, it's not enough, and it's not worked. There needs okay. to be some change in the actual system itself, and I think leadership is where it all starts. You know, whether it's the mayors, the um, the, the the governors, the senators, the the president, you know, <laughs> those that's that's how you effect change in in America um, or in any society that's got any yeah. marginalized people in it. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah. Going back to the George Floyd situation, they put out an autopsy or a result from the autopsy, and basically in the autopsy they said that there were no physical findings that support a diagnosis of traumatic asphyxia or strangulation and that the combined effects or basically um mr floyd had underlying health conditions including coronary artery disease and (laughs) hypertensive heart disease the combined effects of mr floyd's um being arrested restrained by the police his underlying health conditions and any potential intoxicants in his system likely contributed to his death. <laughs> so already by reading that, it's telling me there's someone in power who's who's gone and said, make sure it's going to confirm all those things, i.e. he was on drugs, he had other underlying health conditions. It's almost like the police are trying to almost wash their hands and say, look, we're innocent. This guy was going to die anyway because he had all these issues. But I call bullshit on that because of course. It's, it's, it's the powers that be who are trying to remove themselves from the situation to try and downplay and change the narrative. And I think maybe that's where we just need to, that's where we just need to stay woke because honest to God, as much as we might say we want the system or the leaders to change, but they're the ones who are doing these things because no one would allow such an autopsy report to come out and still like stand behind it and read it, you know, in front of the media and say, this is what's happening or allow us to be told that Derek Chauvin and um, George Floyd worked together because they're trying to almost make it like a personal thing. They're trying to remove it from the police and as much as they can. But all those small subliminal messages, it's almost meant to try and reduce the effect of what's happening, trying to, to make us feel like, oh, it must be something else. Oh, he, he was on drugs. He was high on drugs. So, you know, you see, but that's to do with that. I think that's the thing with this whole um, race thing, that when you realize that there's individuals who are willing to lie in these autopsy reports i then feel is there ever going to be any change because hearing things like that i just think to myself like well is it ever going to change because if you're saying this today this is stuff you've been saying for the last 50 years for the last 100 years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 50 years from now on they'll still say the same things Mm -hmm. and i guess this is the frustration that has led people to the streets you know the the looting and everything else i don't think Mm -hmm. is necessary but you can understand their anger, which is driving yeah. them to that. And I think I think we need to separate the looters from the protesters. That's one thing we need to do. Because I think those are two very different people. Yeah. But <laughs> you know. we can't you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit behind this microphone and say that's horrible. Do you know what I mean? Because they feel a, a type of way. 
Mm. And, you know, I'm not going to justify any criminal acts and say they're good. Um, But like we're saying, this is stuff that's been happening for a very long time. I mean, imagine, I'll give you, this is the most plainest example I could come up with in my head. Your siblings or you've got cousins over and you're fighting. There's one bully who keeps hitting you. And every time you go and scream to your mom and say, mom, he's hitting me. And what does your mom say? Play nice, guys. That's exactly what's happening here. <laughs> Every single time, you know, they're saying play nice. Donald Trump is saying, you know what, uh, we need to sort this. We need to sort this. But we're not seeing things actually happening. And that's exactly what's happening until they, honestly, they can't deal with it anymore. They're trying to stand up for themselves. Unfortunately, it's now leading to people looting and, and so forth. And it's unfortunate. But, you know, those are the consequences. I yeah. honestly think those are the consequences. It's obviously something they need to change within the police system, but then also within their own society. Because I think for someone to become a police officer and still be able to carry those kind of beliefs, um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there are some racist police. Yeah. It, it, like you said, it starts at home. And to be honest with you, they're going to burn America down until yeah. something changes. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they do have those types of psycho, psychoanalysis tests. No, um, I don't think I, they do. I'll tell you why I say that. I saw uh-huh. a video just um, earlier on yesterday, and it was okay. uh, a police officer. He was in a line. They were telling the protesters to move back. Okay, so anyway, one of the protesters is saying, oh, you know, um, we just want to move forward. We just want to go back. And, you know, he starts yelling, no, go back, you SOB, um, son of a, you know. Yeah, yeah, And the the protester calls him a mother. Yeah. Hold on, behold, this guy just aims the gun and just starts shooting. Wow. Wow. Literally. I don't know what kind of, (laughs) what it takes to be a cop in America, but it just shows you the kind of mentality that some of these police have. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's the difference with the English system, because I know definitely whether you're joining the army or whether you're joining the police force, they do take, you know, take you through a psychological test. And Mm. basically it's just trying to see your your mental awareness of certain things on on certain issues. And if you're well and fit to to become a soldier or a police officer, sometimes it doesn't always work because some people slip through the net, unfortunately, but at least there is, that is a start. So maybe they need to come up with something. Maybe it's not racial profiling as such, but something that allows you to identify people with certain dispositions that would either make them trigger happy or too scared or fear black people, certain people of a certain race, and mm. maybe work with them to try and remove that. Maybe not, I'm not saying not have them on the force, but at least just flag them up as, okay, there is an issue here that will need to be addressed if you take this person on. That yeah. could be a start, I think. Yeah, And I think there's also been a level of immunity towards um, American police officers because it's very rare that you find that they're taken to court for anything. If they are taken to court or if they are charged with anything, more often than not, they just get away with a slap on the wrist. So I think whatever judgments need to come their way, they need to be heavy and they need to make a statement. Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up because that's also another point the charges brought against this police officer. So first of all, he's the only one who's been charged. The other three police officers, or four of them, um, have not been charged. Um, which again, <laughs> that's already that's already almost a slap on the wrist for the other four. But they were all complicit in this. I have um, issue with that. Yeah. In in terms of the charges, so um, Derek Chauvin's been charged with 
third degree murder and manslaughter. Um, so for any lay people, what, what this actually means is just it's a charge that means you've killed someone with no intent to kill them, first of all, and that you had such a, a disregard of life that you continue to put that person's life at risk. Um, and that's basically th what third degree is, is killing someone without intent, but you had such disregard for life that you did what you did. Um, but I think that's not a strong enough. To me, that looks like cold-blooded murder because if you're putting your knee on them, they stop breathing, but you're still putting your knee on them with your hands in your pocket <laughs> and you are looking at people who are telling you to check his pulse and you're disregarding that you're almost you you have no you can't say you're acting in self-defense or that person was nope. um you know was was posing a, a risk or they they could have harmed you as a police officer because that that's a complete lie that person had no reason to harm or hurt a police officer the way that he was subdued so i don't think this charge is sufficient for what he did wasn't that the same charges that were brought against you know remember the eric garner case back in i think it was 2014 those yeah. were the same charges i think that were brought onto that police officer and he just got a slap on the wrist i think he just got yeah. fired he walked yeah 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 he walked you know he, he so... was set free, so. and, <laughs> and I mean, that's the we, thing we, they... Yeah. That's the thing with us talking about the immunity that, you know, this is something that has happened, a similar incident that that was worldwide news again back in 2014. Mm -hmm. He got away with it. He got fired. And if I'm not mistaken, he ended up trying to sue the New York Police Department. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, and I think he won the case. I'm not sure. I never followed it up. But so it just shows you these police have got no regard at all. Mm -hmm. for the law, for their duty to protect and serve, as they say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems like they just protect themselves and serve themselves. Yeah, yeah. And again, because they they know that regardless of, of however way they act, someone higher up in their chain is going to protect them because it will harm the police force, it will harm um, the justice system, it will harm the country if they continue, well, that's what they think, that if they continue charging these police officers with murder, then police officers are going to start dropping off his flies. No one's going to have any faith in the in the justice system or in the police force, and they're probably not going to get any more police officers. So there's a lot of like stakeholders and issues that are at play here. So that they're trying to almost say, look, you come on the force, we'll still have your bank, probably a slap on the wrist. But then it means people are still going to die, and it's not. It's it's solving one minute problem. And leaving the biggest problem, which is people dying unresolved and still it needs addressing. That's that systematic racism. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so it's got to change racism. somewhere. But I mean, we're, we're talking about America so much. And I probably just wanted to touch on the UK and Europe in general, because we do have racism. We haven't seen the violence that we see in America, like you mm -hmm. highlighted, firstly, because... There's no guns, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's highly unlikely we're going to see anyone get shot on our streets. Yeah. Secondly, I think the UK and may well, I, well, I'll just speak for the UK. I won't speak for the rest of Europe. But I think the UK is very, the UK media is very good at hiding stories like that, right? Mm -hmm. The stories they would like to put at the front is, you know, the image of two black boys and one who's been a, a, accused of um, stabbing someone else. Yeah. 
they yeah. those that's what they'll put on the front page they yeah. won't put yeah. it when a police officer has done something because you know bobby bobby doesn't make a mistake you know uh-huh. Uh-huh. so that's the challenge that we have in the uk and even when it comes to that stabbing violence i always find it's quite disproportionate that you know it's london which is put on the front page of all the national papers whereas yeah. in places like in liverpool in newcastle in scotland where you've got stabbings going on there but mm-hmm. the only difference is that you know there's minority most of majority of the black people are in london and that's where yeah. they used to make their statistics they don't show pictures of the white kids stabbing each other in liverpool no 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 mm-hmm. they'll show the mm-hmm. ones in london so that creates a certain level of fear as well and that yeah. helps to justify yeah. that we need to arm our police officers we need to give them these tasers one thing that i've that i've seen and i, I probably want to point this out and probably everyone who's listening you need to look at this closely because it's starting to piss me off i'm sorry but and i think sky are the worst at doing this every time there is a race issue or anything to do with black and ethnic minority news Hmm. they have to correct their optics and suddenly bam there's a black person reporting (laughs) you know or or they're having a black person to 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 give their opinion you know what do you think think about this patrice like where was he all this this whole time you only suddenly need him when you're talking about race (laughs) and that is blatant racism to me because it's almost like when my friend calls me out of the blue and asks me rumbi is it wrong for me to talk about your natural hair like yeah but why aren't you asking me if it's okay to you know go and buy a lolly off a stranger or something do you know what i mean like why is it i'm the go-to person to talk about race i mean i get it they're probably thinking that they can't relate to racism as well as someone who's suffered the racism but my point is why are you only utilizing your black and ethnic minority journalists only when it suits the need why can't they report all the other stories why can't you have them at the forefront to show that you are diverse not only when it comes to certain news stories which require a black person to be at the forefront reporting it and i think it's doing a big disservice to all these brilliant journalists who on a good day would probably do the Mm. you know great stories but they're only being utilized they're calling them on to talk about these subjects. I mean, when coronavirus, when we finally heard that it was affecting black and ethnic minorities more, again, you put a black and ethnic minority journalist on, but I've never ever seen them on the news. It's starting to really annoy me. And I think they need to address this because I think it's better. I think I would receive it more if probably a white person was saying, this is unjust. This is what's happening to black people and we need to deal with this. And actually having other white footballers saying, yeah, we hear them chanting and we don't like it because we work, we play together, for example. I think it resonates more with the white people who are subjecting people to that racism than hearing it from another black person who's been suffering it. I think that's the only way it would work in England. It's it's about perception, isn't it? Um, I think the, the UK does a very good job of presenting itself as a multicultural society. But to be honest, I've lived in different parts of the the UK and I will tell you the only multicultural places I know in the UK are the big cities, you know, whether it's London, Birmingham, Manchester. Mm That's it, you know. Yeah, but even in in those multi... They they say they're multicultural, but they're still quite racist. I mean, I when I was in London, I didn't feel like I belonged in London. You know, I felt more at home up north 
than I do in London. You yeah, they could probably it. tell you had a Manchester but... accent. That's probably what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching something and I didn't really pay attention to, to it that much. And they're basically talking about cricket back when it was in the 90s, early 90s, 80s. And basically they were talking about people who were protesting against the apartheid era in South Africa. Yeah. How it was actually white people who were protesting in England that they didn't want the South African team to come and play cricket because of apartheid in South Africa. Okay. And that led to the cricket matches being cancelled because they were so scared of the um, uprising. But it wasn't even black people who were protesting. It was white people who were protesting against apartheid and it actually had a big difference and that led to other black people being drafted to start playing for cricket for South Africa because of that so yeah. you see that's the impact that I'm talking about that if white people are the ones who are taking a stand that's the only way you can affect that change I don't know I don't think we we need them to 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 affect the change I think there's various ways and numerous ways that we can go about affecting change in our own communities I think what they they need to be able to protect the the system that they have, right? So I don't think we need them to be able to to change anything. I think they need to do it for themselves, for their own benefit, yeah. right? Because because we will do what we have to do. Exactly. And they might not exactly. like it. You might not like you know, the result. You of might what not comes like the results. I.e., you might not like the looting. You might not like the violence, the burning of buildings. But we're doing what we can. And it's up to them to then do their part. I think yes. that's, that's, and, but that's not, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Unfortunately, we have to, there has to be a better way. One takeaway that I have is we shouldn't be turning a blind eye. We need to be speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. It's really important for us to try and ensure some form of justice is, is achieved for those who are being oppressed, um, regardless of where we are. And, People might be asking themselves, oh, how do I do that? You know, I'm, I'm 60,000 miles away or wherever. You know, I'm not really good with my metric system, but, um, <laughs> you know, you could be so far away. But it's just educating ourselves, getting to know what's happening. Read, read, read. You will learn so much about what's happening in the world and it helps you form an opinion. And regardless if it's not an opinion that we would like, but you're forming your own opinion based on what you've educated yourself. and just speaking up for everyone, spreading that awareness, what you've learned, it goes a long way. And like I've just said, talking about it, someone might be experiencing a mental breakdown because of this issue and they're in fear of whatever's happening. But talking about it helps lift that load a little bit better for them and make life a little bit better for them. What would you like to see change in our world today? I think in our world today, there's just too much... Uh, judgment of the other you know whether you're looking at someone's race um, whether you're looking at someone's tribe there's just too much judgment of looking at somebody else's different to you mm -hmm. and I think that's something we need to overcome and just realize that you know underneath all the skin <clears throat> sorry excuse me we all you know in our hearts we all have the same pain we all have the same ambitions and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff and really just look at someone like a fellow human being, like a fellow brother, yeah. a sister, you know, and just treat them like you want to be treated as an individual. Simple yeah. as just treat them how you want to be treated. I, I don't think there's anything else to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's so true. And no, this has been really good to talk about this. You know, like I said, 
it's a big weight off my shoulders. I hope it is for you too. No, <laughs> and thank I hope you. it is. Yeah, I hope it is the same for for everyone who's listening. If you've been feeling down with everything that's been happening, I hope this helped you. I mean, feel like you're not alone in in all of this, and we all stand united. So I would really um, invite you all if if you want to have a comment or or discuss this topic further please feel free to to message me or just comment below in the comments on youtube if it's on instagram it's at the tl podcast on instagram and twitter just feel free to just tweet or message um or comment below any of the, the the posts that we have regarding this particular topic we'll be more than happy to continue discussing this on any of those platforms so yeah um hopefully you'll continue listening in we've got some great new episodes lined up coming up hopefully the next time we chat is going to be something a little bit more upbeat and cheerful and just to try and uplift everyone's spirits so yeah thank you everyone and a massive thank you to you to Nasha, for coming on no, thank you for having me, Rumbi. And if I can just say, I've been listening to your podcast and you know what? I think it's an amazing podcast. I really love some oh, of the topics that you bring you. on and the conversations you've had with people. And I think it's just going to continue to grow. Um, well done. Just thank I'll, I'll so just much. say, keep up the good work. And yeah, I look forward to every listening to more podcasts like everyone else. Oh, thank you so much. I really You're appreciate welcome. that. That means the world to me. I, I'm so thankful.